Welcome to Direct Audio Movie Discussions Podcast. My name is Spencer, and Spooky Season is going to take more of a studious route this week, (laughs) because Teresa and I had homework we had to do, and that's why this episode is now coming out as the second to last episode of the season. (laughs) So Teresa's here. That was her wonderful laugh in the background. Hello, my dear. Hi, friends. Hi. I'm sorry, because of what we both had to go through. Oh, man. Um, So... Teresa, obviously, um, I think we brought this up in the pod a couple times. You are a big book nerd. Yes, I love um, to bookworm, read. Bookworm, I think we can call it. Yeah. yeah, big reading fan. I've read, um, I believe I've read like 54 books this year so far. So nowhere near uh, some of the people that I follow on Facebook. But yeah, quite a few books. I still think that's a good amount. Um, yeah. And one of them is the topic of our discussion today because we wanted to do a new style of episode where we kind of blend our two uh, loves where Mm -hmm. we would read a book and then watch the movie adaptation of it um, and then kind of compare and contrast. And what a way to kick this off. Yeah, really. Good Lord. Um, So we decided that we wanted to watch and read American Psycho. Mm -hmm. Um, I had seen the movie... I think we both had a while ago. Yeah, I'd seen it years ago. I'd say yeah. probably I was too young. I'll tell you that much. I, uh, I shouldn't have watched it when I did. This one's a frequent watch for me um, in horror movie, spooky movie mm-hmm. season. Um, I think it's great. I think it's a brief watch. We kind of saw that yesterday as we rewatched it. Yeah, less than two hours. Yeah, and it feels way less than it that. It feels short. Yeah, uh, in comparison to the book. Which, okay, so if you think about it, so it's not even November yet, and I've read over a book a week this book took me almost two months yeah it was horrible i'm a slow reader just because i i I have trouble dedicating time to reading always doing something for the pod or my sister just got married so i was doing a lot of stuff for that congratulations to my friend danielle and steven congratulations to steven frequent guest of the pod steven and then i'm obviously watching movies and doing stuff for work so reading you audiobook i I I do i do i will i will admit because of the job that we have, I'm in the car for three to five hours a day. So yeah. if I choose an audiobook that, you know, is 21 hours, I finish it within a week. So, you know, this book was longer than, I would say it's the, it's the, about the same length as the longer books that I read, but it's just so, it's so detailed and it's so monotonous that it took me i could only read maybe an hour a day it was so much and here's what i want to say so how these episodes are going to go we're going to do a brief review of the book the movie we're going to then do um how they're similar how they are different and then our overall reactions on both and then which one we think is the better of the two and i guess we'll give like a letter grade for each as well yeah i'm going to just say this right off the bat I usually recommend the movie to people who like horror movies because it is kind of like we saw yesterday. I think maybe especially after we watched it, after reading the book, it's a little funnier than we remembered. Mm-hmm. Patrick is a goofball. I wasn't scared. Yeah, it's not scary. Where I cannot, in good faith, recommend anybody read this book without. I want to clarify this without looking up the subject matter first. Absolutely, um, because. There was a quote by Roger Ebert, and I brought this up to you a couple times. We both think the violence in the book is is so over the top and so graphically detailed because it's different than the movie. The movie kind of showcases this a little bit, but the book is one hundred percent through Patrick Bateman's eyes. It's it's there's some nitty gritty, and it's it's very hyper realistic. It's very detailed to the point where. Um, an entire chapter will be about, like, the mutilation of a body. So then, you know, it's... And then cut to him talking about Whitney Houston's new album <laughs> for Huey Lewis 14 pages. Yeah, so it's it's hard to because, you know, of course, um, it was written in a different time. But the book is extremely homophobic, extremely xenophobic, extremely racist. Like, it, it's but, a really, really hard book to... But then I want to, like, pair that by saying... Yes, it is. I'm yeah. not going to say it's not. But it's all through the eyes of this character yes, who correct. you are supposed to not like. Correct. And I think, I will be honest with you, it takes a good, what, 30 pages to really not like him? 
Because the first beginning is just him yeah. talking with his friends. So you just think he's this like superficial businessman. Yeah, and then I think he hits. I think the first thing that happens is he is xenophobic. Yeah, and you're like, okay, already don't like yeah. you. And then I'll be honest, not really to spoil the book or anything. I think the first murder happens like page 130. It's the um, homeless man. I. I That's don't the first know one. if it's that far in. I think it is. Really? I could, yeah, I mean, you, you, haven't, you didn't you'd It's read. different for me because I feel like it happened so fast. But yeah, yeah I think, you know, it's, it's interesting too because um, the book is so... I know that we all know these type of businessmen. So like to see it through the eyes of them and like to hear that... I know that there are still people that talk this way. I know that there are still people with that amount of money that exist that have those types of dinners and lunches and talk about, you know, minorities and how much they dislike them. And, you know, I I know that it still exists, but it's really difficult as someone who does not use those words and phrases to read them, especially as an audiobook. It was really, really difficult to hear someone, like, speak that way. And I want to just clarify, even if you use those words and phrases, that does not make you a psychopathic murderer mm, or on mm-hmm, the level mm-hmm, of Patrick mm-hmm. Babin. Like there's, there's, and even in the book, like his counterparts, none of them are as clinically insane pretty yeah. much as the level that he is. <laughs> Just assholes. Right. There's a difference between being a complete asshole and being a psychopath. Um, and I think that is, and Harry is right up in the microphone right now. I hope this audio can pick <laughs> Hi, us up. Bud. He's right on the table next to us. He is a psychopath. So he knows that while we talk about this, yes. he, he's like, you guys are talking about my people. Yeah. Um, so the book was written in 1991 by Brett Easton Ellis. Um, he had written, um, a couple other books. I'm going to pull those up real quick. Y'all no joke. Like his fur is brushing on the microphone. Yes. Like he is, he's using the microphone. He's using the microphone. I had to probably push him away because. This is funny though. He's never done this before. He's never done this before. No, neither. I'm Stormy. telling you it's because the man is psycho and so is my sweet cat. Yes. He's a sweet little baby boy. Uh, he wrote Rules of Attraction, Less Than Zero. Um, I think it's honestly his two other big books, The Informers maybe. So he is known as a. Uh, black comedy, satire, transgressive fiction writer. And I've seen a lot of people describe this book as a black comedy. And even Christian Bale and uh, the director of the film, uh, Mary Heron, both said they picked up on those notes. And mm-hmm. like After I said, watching it, I do understand where they're coming from. But the first time I watched it without reading the book, I didn't find it funny. No, but they're talking about the book. Oh, They're not talking about the movie. This really is the book first. There are a couple of times that I laughed, but it was rare. Like it was my favorite thing that made me laugh, but not like a not a laugh out loud, but the fact that he would be like, and I tried to cut her up into meatloaf and it didn't work. And then it was like, Whitney Houston has four of yeah. the best albums. And I was like, what the heck is going on? The, the cuts are so, or he would say like, you know, he hurt a woman with a wire hanger and then the next chapter is him getting a massage I'm like, yeah. I, uh. but it just shows you how truly bent out of reality this man is yeah and i there are moments in the book where you can see him kind of snap back to this humanity and even in that part where he's i mean the meatloaf Ugh. is he's like i don't know why i do this yeah he's trying crying. to stop he's crying he's talking about his like past with his family about his like parents didn't care about him the right way he talks about how he like doesn't know why he is the way he is yeah it's it's like, definitely introspective right and I, I i was bringing up a quote by roger ebert where everyone will say you know any violence in any form is gratuitous because the mm-hmm. amount of violence we see on a day-to-day basis is zero. So the violence in Macbeth should still be as gratuitous as the violence in American Psycho because they're both not exclusive. Like any amount of violence is gratuitous. Yeah. And so it's just kind of – and how I see this is it's as much as you, the viewer and the reader and even the listener can – I guess, stomach and take. I thought it got really excessive. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because coming from someone like Spencer and I, I am a huge, 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 not anymore, but I used to listen to horror podcasts, 
where, you know, they would go really into detail. I liked, uh, back in the day, I liked murder documentaries. I liked that type of stuff. So, you know, for me, it was interesting for me to listen to something and be like, oh my God, this is too much. And especially Spencer, he's a murder guy. He loves, well, that's well, not Well, let's bad. not say that. He's a Halloween I, I, guy. I like horror movies. <laughs> Spencer loves murder. No. <laughs> Thanks a lot, dear. Appreciate you. <laughs> I meant he likes Halloween. Sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. Also, but, look at Harry. I know, he's, he's trying, trying to, to fight you now. Um, yeah, I do like horror movies. But, again, I think that's where you... If you can disconnect that it's fictional violence, I guess sometimes that makes it easier to watch. And particular. Like, I don't like serial killer documentaries yeah. and murder documentaries and any of that kind of stuff because there's a realism to that that I'm not a huge fan of. This book, the issue, like you said, monotonous, it goes on forever. forever. Like, it's 400 pages of these, it's like graphic murder, graphic sex scene, him describing an album, his mundane life, graphic murder, back, forth, back, forth. Um, And it is a commentary on a lot of different things. Like you said, homophobia, so homophobic, but Patrick himself is scared because he does not want to be gay. Yeah, especially this was written in the middle of, like, the AIDS crisis. So that's, like, a big topic, too, because, like, he has two women, you know, hook up with each other, and he says, like, there's no there's no way that you guys are going to get sick. There's no way to mm-hmm. transmit virus, so don't worry about it. And he says it in the movie. I don't believe he says it in the book. No. But, you know, it's very, it's very apparent that, Lewis is gay. It's even more apparent in the movie. They yeah they, they make don't him a make it almost. yeah they don't make it as apparent in the book until they you know almost make out in the bathroom. But you can tell that he cannot explore that side of himself, which is honestly really sad. But yeah, you can tell he's scared and he's confused and yeah. And so Patrick uh, about this character is that he's basically just gone insane. Because of how monotonous and bland his life is. And that's mm-hmm. actually a quote by Brett Easton Ellis. He said, Bateman was crazy the same way I was. He did not come out of me sitting down and wanting to write a grand sweeping indictment of yuppie culture. It initiated because of my own isolation and alienation at a point in my life. I was living like Patrick Bateman. I was slipping into a consumerist kind of void that was supposed to give me confidence and make me feel good about myself. But just made me feel worse and worse and worse about myself. That's where the tension of American Psycho came from. It wasn't that I was going to make up the serial killer on Wall Street. High concept. Fantastic. It came from a much more personal space, and that's something that I've only been admitting in the last year or so. I was so on the defensive because of the reaction that the book, I wasn't able to talk about on that level. And that's true. This book is mm-hmm. definitely satirizing and taking a look at consumerism and that culture and how just because you buy things, it doesn't make you feel more of a person. No yeah. matter how you look on the outside – it doesn't change the fact and how you feel on the inside. And the difference is obviously that Brad Snell is just an author and the character that he created thinks he needs to fill that void in these different areas. Mm-hmm. And that's a concept that's really like hounded on the, in the movie. But I think it's definitely um, played in a factor in the book where he really emphasizes a lot about what he's wearing and what he's eating and where he's at. And how much fitness routine I was going to say his workouts. Yes. And like, so it's all about, with Patrick, it's all superficial. Materialistic. Yeah. Because underneath there's nothing. He's a hollow shelled husk of a human. And he even says too, he's like, if you looked at me, you would think that I am like this picturesque person. But behind my two emotions that I show, there's nothing. And he says that in one of probably the best scenes in the movie when he takes off his face mask. Yes. And says that monologue. And we kind of notice this a lot. A lot of the dialogue is directly from the book. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I mean, like verbatim from mm-hmm. the book. Like Which that cool. monologue is directly taken from the book. I appreciate when, you know, directors and producers actually do that because I have read so many books that turn into shows yeah. or movies. And you're like, where does this come from? This has nothing to do with anything. This was never... I, I mean, so. we're going to get into it a bit later, but it does mix up a lot of the order of what happens in the book is totally different than mm-hmm. what happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to keep talking about the book, though, probably for another five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were parts we had to skip through. Yes. And, I, I had to skip through a lot of the murders. And uh, I mean, I the sex scenes got so over redundant that I just wanted to yeah. get through them. It was horrible. It's a lot of just him describing things. 
And I think we'll get into the ending and the comparisons at the end. Yeah. But do you have anything you want to say about the book that we haven't said already? Um, not necessarily. I think we've gotten the gist of it. But I just think that um, it was it was just such a hard book to read, like emotionally, mentally, and it it just it's so funny to me when I, I talk to a lot of people about reading this book, and I have a lot of friends that said, you know. I work in business, I work in stocks, I love this book, it's so real. And, you know, they they also skip through the murders, but I I don't think I'll ever read this again. No. I don't think I can. It's so, I don't know, I don't think I can read this again. No, I don't think I can read this again either. I will say, I don't think it's a horrible book. I think it's a hard book. And I can see why it was literally sold in shrink wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in Canada, they do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of places Australia. ban this. Yeah, I know. We just literally saw it on the shelf at Target. Yeah, and well, I was like, and it was literally just for sale. Unfazed. But yeah, it was, it was definitely received with the kind of reaction it should have gotten, um, because it is so graphic. I will say again, talking about that kind of culture and how it's mimicking that. What he said is that, you know, in that business world, everything's a commodity. The difference is that Patrick Bateman sees people the same way. They are nothing. They mm-hmm. are just a means to an end, mm-hmm. whether that be a business dealing, a sexual dealing, or a thrill, mm-hmm. um, or a part of his murderous tendencies. Patrick sees everything as just object. Yeah. And then what's cool in the book, and it's weird to say that in this type of book, is that you can see... When he sees someone as a human mm-hmm. and he acts in turn yeah. and like he'll be like, I can't. And there's a part in the movie that he does with his secretary, Jean, in the book, it's actually his ex-girlfriend, right? Yes. No, no, no. No, no it's, it's a model. It's a, it's a model, model from the bar. He kills his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he kills. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the. R.I.P. Bethany. I think it's probably the worst scene in the book. Oh, it's horrible. He's... It's either that or the homeless guy. That's one of the two. <sighs> no. I, there's like 10. Yeah, I really, because there's say, the rats. They're, they're really bad. And yeah, that's like a hard thing too. I was talking about it yesterday. I think with the like world that we're living in right now, which is so horrible to say, but we're so desensitized to what's going on. And I like, I would be watching and then I'd be like, oh, they killed, like, he kicked the puppy. He killed the puppy. And like to me, it's almost that's almost harder to watch and i think it's just because we're so desensitized by like the world that we're living in now and social media is so prevalent to like you accidentally watch a tiktok or a tweet with a video on it of someone getting mugged you're like well, uh, what it reminds me a lot of there's a quote from the halloween requel in 2018 where they talk about how michael myers killed three people that night i think three or four, well the three confirmed the other ones they'd only find and Someone brings up like that's nothing nowadays. Like that's literally Isn't that crazy. Fla- but that yeah, and that's yeah. that's it's sad. But that's definitely like with these school shootings. Someone will say like, but only three kids got hurt. Yeah. I'm like, ah, what? Right. right. That's and ag- three more than should have. And again, but that goes back to the gratuitous violence. Yeah. Is it a number or is it just the the fact that it's happening? Yeah. And it's it's yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think I I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm condemning anybody who enjoys this book or. Uh, wants to read this book i just want to put a disclaimer on that and just Mm -hmm. say what you're getting into is going to be a lot and if you're expecting it to be like the movie you're going to get some but you're going to get way more i think of it like this i went to a restaurant and i want to get a meal and i just want a plate and they kept bringing me dishes that here's the next serving here's the next i was like no i just wanted the first one like that's what you're going to get too many slices you will get force fed more than you want I would say that they use about 25% of the book in the movie. Yeah, and I guess we can transition to the movie right now. Yeah. I will want- I will say the only thing I, I could end on for the book is just, which we, we'll talk about in the movie as well, is that um, we, we've spoken on this a little bit, just the fact that he thinks that people are less than. But, you know, he he does kill one black man and then kills one gay man in the book. He only talks about... Um, gay man and his dog in the movie yeah and then you know everyone else is a sex worker and that is very upsetting and it's very like in the movie 
Yeah. 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 In, in the movie, it's and then, yeah. and then it's one and, of his coworkers. Yeah, and it's so obviously. it's so upsetting because um, it is predominantly women, but it's so like. What movie were we talking about before? Oh, we were talking about Sweeney Todd before we started. And Sweeney Todd kills men and he kills women. But they're looking at doing a, like, it, I mean, Broadway it was, adaptation. It was brought up as a musical potential adaptation. But I that, think that's so But again, that was my point. Is like, are we okay with Sweeney Todd where he's technically killing for... I mean, he's getting enjoyment revenge. out of it. But is it revenge? At some point, he's just killing people because he's just bored. He's just no. slicing people's throats as he cuts Which them. Which is so funny because it's one of my favorite musicals of all time. So it I is mean, like, my favorite movie is the thing. And yeah, I'm watching. It's very, it's like a very ethical dilemma. But I think it right. is like it's hard to watch because it is like the, these sex workers that you know they know that they're getting hurt. There's one woman that goes back that's killed the second time because he gives her so much money, and she talks about how she had to go to the emergency room, and she. I mean, she, going off of the business dealings, that's sadly. Yeah. That's business, and it's like horrible. he's and right, and there's the sad. It's it's so heart wrenching. It, but just like Patrick Bateman's job in life is that that's the, where that money rules it all. She, yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't want to condemn it, but like there, you can see the parallels between like at the end of the day, money and, and that power is what drives everyone in this book. Yeah, which is, I mean, a lot of the world is is that way. That's why I like the younger generation. They're like, yeah, I want to make money, but I also want to live. And right. I feel like it's it's this. I used to talk about it with my old boss. Because he used to say in our office, he said, do you work to live or do you live to work? And we all said, we work to live. We don't live to work. And he said, like, my generation lives to work. We're like, and that sucks. Yeah, that's that's a that I sucks. hate that mentality. Yeah. And that's all of his friends. They're all that way. Even when they hang out with each other and go out, it's a business meeting. Yeah. It's a deal. It's a work in progress towards an account you know it's it's all of his relationships are not formative and that that really does connect though in the movie and the book so yeah so i guess we'll kind of dive right into the movie yeah um the movie is a lot shorter so much better too after watching it again like after reading the book it's in my opinion it's it's much better i will be honest with you though i think the movie could have been longer it could have been longer and it could have showcased Patrick's bloodlust tendencies more. Yeah, because, you know, the thing that I am kind of disappointed that you never see is when he um, takes his girlfriend on a trip to, like, the Hamptons. Yeah. And they go in the Hamptons. And at first, he's, like, trying to be normal. Like, he's really trying to live a normal life and, like, be a fiancé. And um, after a while, he can't do it anymore. And he gets really upset because he is trying so hard to be normal so he adopts a dog for her but then she doesn't care about the dog anymore so he kills the dog and she doesn't even notice and you know it's so like that could have been such an amazing scene but we did find out also that the movie um spent most of its money on music yeah i mean if if you've ever seen this movie (laughs) it because i think a big thing about patrick in the book is that he gets all of his information from What's the show? The Patty Ellis show? Mm-hmm. He loves the Patty Ellis show. That is so funny to me, too, because he, he'll be saying, like, I have two women in my bathroom right now tied up incapacitated. Today, on, is it Patty Ellis? It's something like that. Patty something. Yeah. Pa- I don't know if it's Patty. Yeah, but he's like, um, it's like Patty something. On the show, it was talking about moms who can't feed their kids. It's, it's just, so... And that that's where make the, me laugh. I will say, that's it's where the humor dry. is because... It's, it's a really dry, dark humor. Yeah. And that's – I think that is lost in the movie. Yeah. I think the movie – he does have those moments where he's like, I have to do some videotapes. Like he has those moments. Yeah. Like I mean the, the line that we always joke about, not you and I, but Danielle, Steve and I, yeah. where we're talking about food. It's like don't just stare at it. Eat it. Mm-hmm. Because he's in the middle of monologuing about Genesis in mm-hmm. Phil Collins. And then he goes, by the way, bend over. I want to see you have sex with that woman. It's like – his mind is never yeah. in one place. He wants to seem like he's highfalutin, high society, but then he also has these desires. Yeah, but it is like, you know, that that's one complaint that I kind of have about after reading the book. There are so many scenes like he goes out to eat with his brother on his brother's birthday. I would have loved to meet his brother because I would have loved to meet someone in the family. Yeah. His dad owns another really big company, but he chooses not to work for his dad in the book. In the book. In the movie, he works for the company. Yeah. So then he doesn't. That's why he doesn't have to work. And then, you know, there is a 
background that a lot of critics have where they say that he primarily murders sex workers because he does have like a Freudian background because of his mom. So it would have been interesting. But I will say book and movie, you hear nothing about his mom. No. It's very, it's very, very interesting. Also, if you hear knocking in the background, that is uh, Teresa's neighbors. Uh, construction. There, there's some construction happening in the apartment. Sorry, so I apologize. Y'all. No, it's okay. I think we'll be able to cut it out, but it, just in case. Okay. But yeah, I think, I just think in the movie, and it sounds weird to say that, that there should have been more violence from Patrick. And I think, too, like, not not even necessarily violence, but just more of the inner thoughts of, of his mind. Exactly. Like, there are so many scenes where um, it's almost like a silent film or it's it's like a dramatic film in the background where I would have just loved to hear what he had to say. And that's why I really liked the scene with his brother because his brother is only like three years younger than him yes and he's only 27 so what his brother's 23 24 and his brother's like you go to that bar that bar's not cool anymore you go to that bar that bar's not cool anymore and it is so interesting to me because i have a lot of friends that are younger that i will say something and they're like oh man i haven't been there in years you're like oh that is so painful and and that just kind of shows that no matter how in touch you want to be you'll always be out of touch somewhere yep and that's where you see that throughout the book where they're going to clubs, they're going to dinners and they're going wherever everyone tells them to go. And these meals sound horrible. Disgusting. And it's just because they're told what to like, what to enjoy, what yeah. to wear. You it's see like it. Peanut butter salmon. Right. And with like a lime jello. Ew. Yeah. And it's everything that they're told to enjoy, they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that even comes into play when you walk into a business meeting, all the business cards look the same. And that becomes a plot point in the book and the movies that no one knows who Patrick is. Yeah. And everyone talks to Patrick about how dumb Patrick is. And I will just say... I love that. I think that's so good. It is so good. And that I want... Like, Patrick's not cool. No. In either book or... And not because he's a killer or anything. Like, like to just the blanket eye, Patrick is a fucking dork. And it's funny because we talked about this yesterday. You know, it was nice because we could talk to each other when we were watching the movie and we were doing comparison, contrasting, you know, in the middle of the film. And when he is having sex with these sex workers and, you know, just taking control, he stares at himself. He looks at his, you know, muscles. He watches himself in the mirror. But then when he has sex with Courtney, you know, he has all of his clothing on. He finishes really fast. He, like, doesn't make eye contact with her and she could not be bothered yeah so it is like you see like the real versus the fake of like who he actually is and the fact that like he's having sex with his co-worker's fiance because his co-worker is gay like it, it's just so and interesting. then compare the murder from the homeless man where it's just his telling and he stabs him really cool calm and collectively kills the dog and then Ugh. he tries to kill lewis and yeah. he can't even put his hands around Lewis's neck. He's like shaking. He's like trembling. Not because he doesn't want to. He just can't push himself to do mm-hmm. it. So it, it, it's it's very interesting because, you know, you do see those sides. Even his lawyer who they – Patrick says they talk on the phone all the time. He says like Patrick Bateman is a fucking loser. And it's just like – even Paul Allen does. Yeah, everybody everybody dislikes him, especially if you think about it from the movie's perspective where he is like a nepotism baby. They don't care about him. They know that they don't have to respect him. They know that they don't have to like him. And they just have to be cordial around him. But, you know, the only people that truly know him are the three that he goes out to eat with. And they don't even really know him. No. I mean, all he so, does is talk about serial killers. They just know his name. Yeah. And they want to do coke with him. Yep. One yep. of the best opening lines that I've asked him to do coke in. You know, and it's funny, too, like, going, kind of going back to his brother and, you know, having that relationship. He buys, there's, like, so many moments where he is relatable, but he buys his brother a gift, but he likes it better, so he keeps it. And I've done that before. So it's like, he's, he is relatable in some senses, but then all of a sudden you're like, he's such a piece of shit. And that's, that's like, these people who are sympathizers of like serial killers i'm like yeah he might be relatable or he might be good looking and whatever i mean some of the stuff i see on twitter people are nuts but 
at the end of the day, like anybody can be relatable and right. that doesn't mean that they need to be liked or respected. But that I think that's a clear message of the book. Mm-hmm. And that's a clear message of the movie as well. Is that whenever there are those human elements, you go, I've done that before. And then it's like, oh, then there's the complete disconnect. Yeah. I do think Patrick as a character, I, I wish there was, and we're, we're kind of getting more of the comparisons at the end there. But yeah, there's there's really barely any narration. Yeah. I think that's a really key factor of the book is that you have to be able to see it through his eyes. Um, everything is narrated. Everything, yes, everything. Down, to, down to, you know, there's, which they do it in the movie, but there's probably 20 pages at the beginning about him showering, getting ready in the morning. The movie makes it so much more interesting. Yes, I agree. And, you know, one thing that I really kind of a regret that I wish they would have done is I wish they would have had him in a blockbuster for a scene because he's, videotapes. yeah, he returns his videotape so often it would have been awesome to see him in there and just see the way that he interacts because he rents the same movie like six or seven times. It's, it's porn. Yep. And it's like a horror movie. It's where like a gets... horror porn. Yeah. Ugh, which is so like, it's and so And Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So, you know, it would have been interesting to see because he talks about how, you know, he gets the same movie all the time and the person that's renting it to them, like, or to him, doesn't care. And it's one of those things, too, where they probably see people like him all the time doing weird shit all the time and they don't care about him. At the end of the day, nobody cares. Yeah. And I think another thing is why I th- there's that joke of wanting to return videotapes in the book. They explain why he wants to because he has a platinum status at the video store yeah and if he doesn't return it he will lose that and again to patrick it is all about his status he has the best american express card and he even talks about how he cracks yeah. it because he uses it so much mm-hmm. he has the best apartment he had he pays this really expensive painting and it's hung upside down <laughs> he talks about les mis all the time all the time which is really funny for me because i love les mis and it's one of my favorite shows so i just kept laughing at the fact that les mis was brought up actually 150 times yeah it just becomes a punchline of like it sounds like he just wants to leave and that's the only excuse where yeah. it's like no in the in the book that's a very important thing for him because he like literally freaks out because he doesn't want to lose his status of not being able to rent his movies yep he's like if i return it right now i'll be able to go in there i'll get the same other movie and i can come back and I can watch the movie and i can get off yeah, to he it gets and I can so stressed he out. like is like so pedantic yep whereas yeah in in the other in the, in the movie, it's just dropped. Mm-hmm. It's a couple lines, and that's about it. But I want to talk about the movie specifically without comparing it to the book. Okay, it had some issues getting made. Mary Heron wanted to make it. Christian Bale really wanted to be in it. Mm-hmm. Everyone told him to be career suicide, um, which said, it was for a while, wasn't it? No, no. I mean, he he did a couple big movies, or not big movies, but he did some decent movies, and then okay. he and I mean, three years later, four years later, he got Batman. So it can't really be Fair. that big of career suicide. Okay, but. They had some ideas um, that kind of got dropped, and then they the budget got changed. It ended up going to David Cronenberg and uh, Brad Pitt being attached to direct and star. Um, they also wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to be in it, and then Christian Bale would literally be like, "No, I'm going to be in it." And he would mm-hmm. contact the like uh, the production company, and they'd be like, "We're moving on." He's like, "Okay, that's cool, but I'm going to start reading and then doing this, blah blah blah." blah. And then eventually it came back, but they slashed the budget mm-hmm. substantially. Which sucks. Yeah. Um, I think she does an amazing job with the movie. I think they both do. Christian Bale, if and like he understood the character. He he portrays Patrick when he's a dweeb. Mm-hmm. And he really showcases the psycho killer tendency. Mm-hmm. And Even the way that he speaks with an American accent we were talking about yesterday. Like it's very everything he does is very you can tell that he put time and effort and practice and made it the absolute perfect character. Yeah, and he created this kind of portrayal by watching Tom Cruise on an interview with David Letterman, Which I believe is it was. Hilarious. Um, and because in the book, Tom Cruise lives in his building. Mm-hmm. And they that have was a really such a awkward random moment. Sp- <laughs> yeah. Because he, he says that he's a big fan of his movie, but says the wrong movie. Yeah, and then Tom's like, okay, and like leaves. <laughs> but again, it just shows how truly uncool yeah, Patrick is. Yeah, he's so lame. He's like, I live on this floor. He's like, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's Christian Bale transformed his body in two weeks. Really? Yeah. His because, body is impeccable. Because 
he was slim and because how Bateman frequently exercises, he uh, got ripped, super tan, got his teeth turned perfectly American white teeth. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, the fact that it was career suicide made him so much more interested in doing it. Hmm. That's what he said. Okay. Um, it was filmed really quickly. Uh, last up in New York, most of it took place in Toronto. Interesting. And uh, Bill would bring his book to set. And he would read the book hmm. to get into the character. Interesting. He, um, I don't know if anybody watched, but he just very recently did an interview yeah, and GQ. talked about um, American Psycho. He was saying that he got death threats and... People would um, like message him, say like, "If I see you on the street, I'm going to kill you." And he's mm-hmm. like, "That's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? Huh? A little ironic." So then he started saying like, "Fine, do it. Let's meet in this alley. Let's let's fight it out." And of course, nobody showed up. And so he thought he he talks about how it's it's a funny movie, and yeah. he really enjoyed it. It's one of his favorite roles that he ever did. But it is funny to me because <laughs> seeing him in that after seeing him in Newsies. It's such a. Like, I mean, you could watch him in any. He's like, amazing. He is one of the greatest actors. I, I I think we're gonna look back. I think people already do, but like look back on his career and be like, the twenty year span, honestly, from this when he's like an adult actor mm-hmm. to what twenty nineteen. We're gonna include mm-hmm. the newest ones. It's like he he's is, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, for the obvious big moment of the movie, the Paul Allen murder, mm-hmm. which in the book it's Paul Owen. Yes. And uh, they changed another name. Thomas Price is Thomas Bryce. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering why. Uh, mostly I was. I don't <laughs> think you were like too worried about it. But it's because those are actual real named people on Wall Street. I'm not surprised. That's why I had to change that. Uh, and there were some other changes that we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, Leto was not allowed to be in the uh, uh, like discussions when they were preparing for his murder because he wanted all of his reactions to be genuine. You know, I really prefer the scene. I skipped through a lot of it in the book, but I prefer the scene in the book because um, they just spend a lot more time together. They spend like four hours together at dinner and then they go and hang out with each other afterwards and they drink. You you just see a lot more description happening in the book. They they hang out. They drink a lot more. They. But I see where you're saying that as. But in a horror movie, I don't want to see them just having a good time. I guess at bars. that's true. That's true. Get that's to the murder. Point. Yeah. And the thing is, the murder point. in the book is, is horrible. It's a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. It's so much quicker because he literally just said, "Like took my took my Xanax that was next to me on the thing or my Valium, which mm-hmm. one of the two, uh, pops it. He doesn't even talk about Hugh Lewis in the news. No, that, it's like, a that's, whole chapter. That's on a whole its chapter own. afterwards. He just comes up. He puts on his raincoat. That's mm-hmm. in the book. He walks up, acts to the face, and then he, like, discusses how he... The only thing that's different is that you then get to see how he disposes of the body, which is then only brought up in passing discussion when he's confessing to the lawyer. Mm -hmm. He says his body is dissolving in a bathtub in Hell's Kitchen, which in the book, you get that exact, like, Mm -hmm. sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's spooky. You don't no, it is see, so spooky. You don't see anything in the movie, and in the book, it is like it's quick, but it's very descriptive. What? So what's really interesting to me is that in the movie, he he only watches one horror movie, and he watches Texas it's Chainsaw it's Massacre. Mm-hmm. And I have brought this point up to pretty much everybody I talked to about horror movies is in that movie, the blood and the gore is so minimal; it is all off screen, and it is what your imagination tells you is scary. Mm-hmm. And in this movie. It's pretty much the same thing. The only thing you see with Paul is his body hits the floor, yeah. blood comes out, and that's it. Yeah. And then you see the girl with the chainsaw on her side. Ugh. But that's about it. That's it. It's sad. It, it is very and sad. And you see him bite her, which is horrendous. I mean, he barely – he tries to bite her leg and she I kicks know, him in the face. I know, but I just don't like that. I know. Your your tolerance of horror movies is way it's less slower than, than yours. Yeah. But, so what were your thoughts on the movie, though? Because you're not a big horror movie fan, so... No, I like it. I like that it's more psychological. I like that we could talk about the movie for, like, a solid hour afterwards. And I like that, you know, I had a lot of questions for Spencer. It's very much a... Um, you know, how do I explain this? It's very much... We sat and talked and said, do you think he did it? Do you think he did all of them? Which murders do you think are real? Are any real? Are they all real? So I like that we could have that conversation with each other. And I like I like movies that once they finish, you can speak to other people about. Like Donnie Darko, Shutter Island, you know, that 
ending where you're like, what do you think happened? Because yeah. it, it, it creates a topic of discussion. It's an open conversation. And, you know, it's it's interesting because we had a conversation. We came to an agreement and then we read the director's opinion. And yeah. we were like, oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. So, I don't know. I like the movie. I like the movie much better than the book. But um, it's, it's a movie that I don't think... I would watch more than once a year. Like I don't oh, yeah. think I really have a reason to. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with you on that one. I, I think we can dive into the ending then. I think yeah, that's a very um, contemptuous point with a lot of people. Yeah, um, totally. So, Guinevere Turner mm-hmm. and Mary Heron. Guinevere is the writer. Mary Heron obviously was the director. I do want to quickly mention that they wanted one classic horror movie scary scene, and they chose. That the best place to do that was the threesome. Yeah. And where he's running around naked with a chainsaw. Where he on set would just have a sock on his penis and... The New Balances. His New Balances, yes. But that's like the only... That's where you have that big horror movie sequence. Everything else, again, is mostly off screen. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's kind of where, in the endings, I think it's important to kind of transition to that. I agree. Because I think the movie, and this is what um, Heron has said she doesn't like... She feels like she let us down. She, yeah, she feels like she did the ending wrong because too many people say that none of the murders happened. So and the conclusion that we kind of came to is that um, we believe a majority of the sex workers that were murdered were real. Um, but, you the know, homeless man the homeless real. man. Um, but I think the the people that he personally knew, like, you know, Paul, it wasn't real. That's all fantasized. Yeah. Because there's a, it's, that would be too much of a risk for his status. Mm-hmm. He, if he killed Paul, then he's out with his company. He, and he says a line in the book, it hits much harder. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he just says, I want to fit in to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. Evelyn, barely. Like the mm-hmm. brief one liner. But in the book, he's talking with his ex. And she's literally just grilling him about how his life is completely different. And he, like, has this moment where he's just like, I just want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And it hits so much harder in the book. Mm-hmm. And you almost have this, like, feeling of just, like, sadness. A brief glimpse. Like, there are moments in the book where you just kind of go. Kind of feel bad for him. Right. And then you're like, nah, you're a piece of shit. Exactly. And that's one of the ones where it's like, you can tell he's trying so hard. to, And it's clearly apparent where he's just trying to fit in and be normal he wants to work because he wants to do something and like we think that because him killing people he knew would be too much of a risk yeah i don't think he killed bethany his ex-girlfriend he um he talks about how when they broke up he was he was pretty wrecked so i think he in his head um that's his vengeance yeah because he he seems to at least in the book he seems to have had actual feelings for her like he used to write her poetry he used to (sighs) well the poem is actually the most (sighs) that's one of the worst parts of the entire book it's so disgusting but he used to write her actual real poetry and he used to be really sweet to her and like take her to parties and all this stuff so when she broke up with him she was really wrecked so i think that's one that you know is vengeance i think paul allen is vengeance because he has an account yeah, he that has Patrick the, uh, wants. Oh, yeah. All he talks about is the account. Um, so, you know, I think those those personal people in his life, he can't, you know, like he almost kills Gene. But then you're like, well, then he'd have to get a new assistant. And and so it's, it's a lot of work that he wouldn't actually want to go through. In the book. So in the movie, he has the sequence where he says, I don't I couldn't kill you. I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And it's taken. You kind of questioned this yesterday. Where it's kind of taken as because it's his girlfriend Evelyn calls on the phone and he's kind of saying as like a, I don't want to hurt you emotionally. Mm-hmm. But in the in the movie, it's also paired with the fact that he can't go through with killing her because he's scared that he would hurt someone that he actually sees as a human. In the book, yeah. he says like, I think I'm married, Gene. Yeah, he says that's like one of the first lines in the entire movie. After his shower scene, but he just no, talks. no, not the movie, the book or the book. Thank you. Yeah. After his shower scene, he says like, you know, I go into the office, I see Jean. She asks me about my morning, and then he just goes like, you know, I think at the end of the, at the end of the road, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry Jean. I'm like, that is so weird 
that he would settle. I don't know. It's very odd, but... I think because she's the only one that sees him as a person, too. Yeah. And you can tell that she, like, worries about him, too. So she actually cares and, you know... Which is, is kind of lost in the movie. Yeah. But let's kind of dive back a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, but the reason why we're saying this is because the ending can be taken as a few different ways. Mm-hmm. The first way is that all of it's in his head. Yep. He is... He obviously is... In a psychosis. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. We don't get any sort of clarification on what that ever is. Whether it's... I don't want to start saying anything. But like, there's clearly something wrong. Mm-hmm. And it could all just be in his head. And his monologue at the end is him saying like, you know, my confession meant nothing because nothing happened and my life is a complete lie. And yeah. now I don't know who I am. I have no answers of who I am because everything I thought I am is wrong. Yes. And so that's... There's horror on his side where that... He doesn't know what reality is anymore. Mm-hmm. And that that's one. Number two, everything happened. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares and because nobody cares. of his power. And the fact that there's that age old saying that you could literally get away with murder and Patrick has literally done that. Mm-hmm. He has murdered people. He has murdered Paul Allen, a high uh, – he's the vice president, I believe. Yes, he is. And again, someone says, no, I had dinner with him last, last week. Yep. And, and the thing is, is like – we see in the movie, no one knows who anybody is because they all look the same. So he probably had dinner with someone else, mm-hmm. and it truly doesn't matter. It reminds me of um, the documentary that just came out about Army Hammer's family and the fact that they are so wealthy. And even like um, Ghislaine Maxwell and yeah. what's his name? I can't even remember it. He doesn't deserve to be sad. True. Um, but okay, so Lee Faust... Um, who was my English teacher when I studied abroad in Italy, he did a review on American Psycho. And one of the best parts... The book or the movie or both? The movie. Or the book. I'm sorry. One of my favorite parts that he wrote is he said, from a metaphorical fairy tale viewpoint, it works like this. The 1% are so bored with their wealth slash objects that they feel what our narrator calls again and again a nameless dread that can only be appeased by taunting, torturing, dismembering. Yes, in that order. And then eating and wearing the bones of those economically weaker than themselves around their necks as jewelry. Culturally, this might tell us something about American capitalism, for while the USA revels in the objects of wealth, our military has humiliated and dismembered human bodies without much conscience in every continent since the end of World War II in the name of capitalism under the code name democracy. Okay, as a parable, I gotcha. And then he says, remember... The original psycho is Norman Bates. This is Bateman, the American psycho. Yep, exactly. And that's, so. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. And so that's where that ending, where everything happens and no one cares. And like you see where they, people go, what about Paul Allen's apartment? It's a high class apartment in New York City. Mm-hmm. Do you think the landlords, they wipe it under the rug, mm-hmm. clear it all out, paint it all over. Mm-hmm. And when he comes in, she kind of says, we don't want any trouble. She clearly knows that he knows something different. Mm-hmm. Like, so if she knows, he's the killer. Yeah. He walks in his apartment. He says, did Paul Allen live here? She goes, just get out. Yep. Like, just cut ties. Find somewhere else. Like, you, like, she even kind of twists, tricks him and says, like, she saw Adam the Times? She goes, yeah. And she goes, there wasn't one. I think you need was to from, leave. That was from That's the from the book. book as well. But, like, it can be seen as two different ways. It's like, yeah. one, his psychosis is telling him one thing. And she's like, just get out. Or if she is covering up this. She's like, you have to go. Like, you have to get out. Like, I don't care what you do, mm-hmm. but you have to leave because well, we don't want any trouble. Because there are a lot of states that um, within, like, being a real estate agent. Unless someone asks, like, hey, did something happen at this apartment? Yep. You don't have to tell them. Right. And so that's, like, in her mind, it's like, shit, we cover everything up. Because there's a family in there at the same Right. Time. And it's like, just go. I think you need to leave. Don't come back. And, like, that could be seen as that. And so that's the second of the three potential endings, is that everything happened, and it's just the fact that he's gotten away. And that's, again, his monologue at the end would be like, I confessed, and it means nothing because at the end of the day, no one truly cares. And there could be someone that he works with that's doing much worse. Exactly. It's just very, it's very unsettling. And, you know, he like, he leaves a confession voicemail to his lawyer and his lawyer says it's hilarious. So, you know, 
they probably they hear it all. You know, it's it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time that someone right, confesses lawyers, right. to murder. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, yeah. Guess what? You know what? I deleted it. it means nothing. Yeah. And then the third ending, which I think this is the one that we both, like agreed we said, we to. agreed to. The third one is that some happen. Mm-hmm. That he did kill the people who are lesser than him in, mm-hmm. in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that in the way he describes everything. Mm-hmm. The sex is more vigorous and exciting and the murders are more vibrant. Yeah. And that's why you get that kind of depiction in a sense. Um, but they might not have taken place in the place that he's saying. So it might have been in his apartment or somewhere else. Like something might have happened. Mm-hmm. He didn't kill Paul. That was a fantasy. And you see that in the book at the end where Gene's slipping through his book and sees all the murders. That's where he fantasizes about killing people. And you even see some texts. Like he says, like, I can't remember what he writes, but one of the words lewd. that pops, lewd. And that's what she says. One, his uh, his friend from college says, him, I don't want to get into a lewd conversation. She's like, ooh, you're getting lewd. I don't like this right. conversation. And so he writes that, I believe, in the book. And then he kills her. And he kills Right. So like, <laughs> is that one crazy. one that didn't happen? Yeah. And you see it with how he portrays Lewis. He can't kill Lewis. And you get more of that in the book where like Lewis says he has to like move and Patrick is nice to him and like actually talks to him like a human mm-hmm. because again, he's he's trying to understand that he's like if there and he even like says like Lewis, you're attractive and says like did I just say that out loud? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not attracted to you. Like mm-hmm. because he's so scared of being seen as mm-hmm. gay. Um but in like, this ending would be that some of it happened, some of it didn't, and Patrick is confused because he doesn't genuinely like, – he can't remember which is which. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter what um, no matter what ending you decide is the correct ending, like at the end of the day, this book is about a lost identity and like trying to find out that all ends up the same. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. We were talking about how in the movie – the door behind him says this is not an exit. Which is the last line in the book. Which yeah. I think is a great line. It's very interesting. It's a very good line. Because he's stuck. Yeah, and that's that yeah, the end the, the and the monologue he's giving is like twenty pages before. It's after he gives yeah. the confession and then he goes to like leave and he gets in the taxi and gets mugged. Mm-hmm. It's before that where he says like my confession means nothing. Mm-hmm. I woke up, nothing changed, nothing happened, there's mm-hmm. no cops at my door. My confession is nothing. Yep. And I think that's still also interesting. If To say that none of them happened, to me, I think that's – I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I just feel I like so that's – I think that's too convenient. Yeah, and I think as well it's not – I don't want to use the word fun, but it is kind of fun to think that like something did happen you know you don't want to be like oh i just read this whole book and it just nothing happened like right which granted of course it's fiction so right nothing did yeah but i when i watch frankenstein i want i'm believing that the monster is real and, of course right like i it's you're you're giving that reality and there are there are aspects that are real like i i've said a few times you know there are people in the world that exist like this what's happening in this in this movie and film is you know they're they're hitting all of these subjects that you know they talk about yuppies they talk about Bush Senior they talk about Ronald Reagan they talk about Wall Street they talk about the New York rich and in the generation that this book was written like those are majority disliked it's it's like where we now have like you know get rid of the one percent that has always existed. And I think it's very interesting to look at it from that angle. But, you know, he's a nepotism baby at the end of the day. So if he did all of it, his dad could cover it up. And that's part of that. If he did everything, like... It doesn't matter. He could call his dad and his dad would say, okay, give me a couple hours. And it would all be gone. I mean, that's why it's like they're targeting, like, black and brown, the queer community, and women. women like especially sex workers like of course those are the people that are going to be like thought of as less than so it's a shame yeah uh, and to kind of ties back to the book it's meant to be ambiguous mm-hmm. there is meant there's not meant to be a correct answer mm-hmm. and that's where mary said she failed because so many people just assume it's all fake it's meant to be left 
to your imagination. Mm-hmm. It meant to be for discussion. So she's disappointed in herself. Yes, she's disappointed because she says she failed because there's not supposed to be a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay. I and agree. I think no matter what you think, you're technically right mm-hmm. in your own mind. That's okay. you Because there are obviously avenues to get to that answer. Um, Brett Easton Ellis has said that he really likes how the movie actually amplified a lot of the notes he was trying to say. It really emphasized the uh, satirical nature of what he was saying about totally. Wall Street. Yeah. It really emphasizes the black comedy aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it tightens up a little bit of what he was trying to say with his commentary. Mm-hmm. I think, of course, obviously that can get lost in the book. Yeah, Christian Bale and Mary Heron, as I both I said they both loved the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they both saw the comedic aspects of it um, and saw how abhorrently ridiculous it all was and how it was completely over the top in everything it's portraying sex violence and just how boring the capitalist aspects are mm-hmm. they both the both got great reviews the book is seen uh as a modern piece of american uh what was the phrasing that was used on that uh it's um postmodern qualities and it's very transgressive uh, and then the movie has a 78.16 percent average um, it's critically acclaimed and uh, it has a i mean it still has a decent following you know it's interesting too because um sorry i'm just reading about this because he was literally just interviewed about this movie yeah, in october and by, by gq i think yes right? and he said I remember one time sitting in the makeup trailer and the makeup artists were laughing at me because I was getting paid less than them. Mm-hmm. He got paid the absolute bare minimum to be in this movie. Because he really wanted to be this character. Yeah, but it's so like, I like that he finds the humor in it and he wanted to be in it because he did the role justice, but also at the same time, it's just so crazy because now it's like one of the most popular and best known horror movies in the past probably 25 yeah, years. Yeah, so it's so interesting to me. He does an amazing job. Like I said, he truly understood the character. Mm-hmm. I think the the script could have... You mentioned this. If it was made now, I would have definitely dived more into that. Absolutely. Uh, we would have gotten a little bit more into it. And I think that's my one complaint about the film. Is it's seen more as a comedy because we don't get to see the true nature of what is... And I'm not saying I, I want to mm-hmm. see him cut some of the chainsaw no but have him wake up and he's doing those things and then in the corner you see something Mm -hmm. like we see when he grabs sorbet for gene there's a head in the fridge yeah like that is a moment where you go oh shit like i need something along those lines to be like added in Mm -hmm. a sense to really give gravity to the situation and it's funny too because he um so they were saying that they offered $20 $20 million to Leonardo DiCaprio. $20 million. Fresh off Titanic, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm so glad that it was him, and I'm so glad that he never gave up. But also, I like you kind of said, there it could have been the movie, the reviews were rough, the movie was bad, in that he lost everything because of this role. Yeah. So it's good that... But it was the exact opposite. I mean, it mm-hmm. made... Uh, almost five times its budget in the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a large following now. It's literally every meme everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Hugh is the news. That sequence is still shared. I think it's one of the most iconic uh, kills in cinema history. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that every single person in this is now getting that recognition. And that he and Mary and Guinevere took the chance to be able to do this. I think we can both agree that we like the movie more. I think if you haven't got that already, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says um, he was disappointed that it didn't end up being career suicide. Yeah. He kind of hoped that maybe that was it and that he'd have to go find something else to do. He is a true actor. Yeah. Like, he just likes the craft. Yep. Um, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's amazing. And I think that's cool. And I think it's very admirable to be able to, you know, make a piece of cinema mm-hmm. and truly just be like, I don't care if it's good or bad. I'm just very happy with what I've done. Yeah. And at the end of the day, he, he sounds like he's very happy. So is Mary. 
And um, I think even – I mean but Brett does as well going back to the book. He wrote something that I truly don't think I've ever seen written before. Yeah, and I won't read it again. Yeah, but I. Think, <laughs> but I, I do see what you're saying, right? But I, I yes. don't want. I don't want to sound like. I totally know what you we're mean. We're completely shitting on this book. Yeah, and we don't. It's not that we hate it. I think it's just that it was so difficult to read, and I think that was the point. You know, I yeah. think it was the point to make. It shouldn't have been easy to read. That's. So. Yeah, that's the thing is that it shouldn't be easy. Mm-hmm. With with subject matter like this, it's not meant to be taken lightly. Yeah. I think if you can if you can read this kind of subject matter easily, more that, power to you. Yeah, that's on you. That's on you and you can stomach more than I can. Um or maybe sleep with light on, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because shit. Um I want to thank Liz for letting me borrow the book. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we almost bought it for both of us. Yeah, I did end up buying it. I do have. Um, oh, you bought the. Yeah, I have the audiobook. I bought it um, through Audible because I had rented it on. Uh, if anybody is an audiobook person, I rented it through Libby, which is through um, the library. And it took me, you know, you only rent it for 21 days, and it took me so long to read that I had to buy a copy. Sorry, my dear. Oh, hey, it's okay. I have I have credits. It just, there were parts where I could, re- like, I could do, like, four or five hours in a day, but um, it's not even, the funny thing is, like, it wasn't even the gore that got me. It was just the monotony of every dinner, lunch, dinner, lunch. I mean, you can skip through the gore, but the dinners are so boring. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mostly would just breeze through that. Yeah. It's so bland. Yeah. And totally. that, I think the book could have been cut down. I think the movie could have been extended. That's it's a good way to put it. a fun twist there. Totally. Um, and they changed. I mean, we, they, I want to quickly mention they changed. We saw this. We changed a lot of stuff. He The the lunch with Kimball. Kimball's meant to be his age. Mm-hmm. And he's not, obviously, in the movie. It's played by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Uh, we did say we felt like the casting for Christian Bale, will, uh, Jared Leto, and Reese Witherspoon, uh, and Matt Ross playing um, Lewis oh, was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, we thought that uh, Chloe Sevigny was. It, it just, just was, was a weird different. choice. You know, yeah. they always talk. I love her personally. Oh, but, she's great. You know, I think um, they keep talking about how she's going to be this like little. Like sniveling, like uh, almost like like just hand and foot waiting yeah, on him. Like a freshman in love with a senior type, right. you know. And um, no, like Chloe plays it. I mean, she you can tell that she likes him, but she's very smart. So you she know, plays it cool, yeah, which is not how she should be played. Yeah. Um. So it's a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um. But they kind of move some stuff around. Some monologues get shifted and but it works it does work yeah. i think it flows a little bit easier and yeah i think okay let's give letter grades for both okay what do you want to give the book out of a plus to f i'd say i'd give the book like a c plus yeah i was thinking i think that a c plus maybe minus. i love the ending the I ending love, is the only reason that i like it ties really it enjoyed back the together book. It, it really does kind of make you question everything you've mm-hmm. read Absolutely. i think honestly at a level of the movie because it really gives you these moments of like a cab driver mugs him and then says, I remember you. And you think, oh, shit, has he been caught? No, it's just because he wants to mug him. Yeah. And he just wants him to say, you know, like give him all of his stuff so that, you know, he won't tell anybody yep. that it's him. But at, at the end of the day, too, you have to think like they, everybody looks the same. And that's that's like the like, whole point. So. And even Patrick questions. He's like, did I do that one? Yeah, do he doesn't. Murder? He has no idea. He literally can't remember what he's done. And like, there's they show wanted posters, and he's like, I don't even know if I did that. Yeah, which is so interesting. Yeah, and that's really, I think, um, it. I started to get more interested at that point where I was like, even he, yeah, is starting to question what's reality. C plus B minus. I was gonna say, um, probably need more towards C plus just because of the monotony of the book. Totally. Um, what about the movie? Um. The movie's hard because I, like I said, I enjoy the movie, but maybe um, I'd do a B plus. I was gonna say the same thing. I think I would give it an A minus if it um, had a little bit more. Yeah. 
and it added that narration. Yeah. You need to have Patrick narrating the movie at yeah. parts. It loses it for like an hour of the time, and then it brings it back at the end. Yeah. And I think you have to have him, like when he's dragging out Paul Allen's body, he needs to be narrating that right there. Yeah, but that was a cool scene too because you see the blood and then all of a sudden the blood is gone. Yeah, she noticed that. And then they have mm-hmm. Lewis there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, says what kind of Lewis. bag it is and then leaves. It's one of the best portrayals of a character. Mm-hmm. And one of Christian Bale's finest performances, which is so I, strange I to agree. see. And it's funny, like the cast is so stacked. Justin Thoreau, like it's so. Ugh. I don't. Rem- I didn't remember because I hadn't seen it in so long, and now you know some of them are. A majority of them are A-list actors. Yeah, Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon, Chloe Sevigny, Matt Ross, Bill Sage, uh, Josh Lucas, Justin Thoreau. Uh, it's yeah, it's got a great it's cast, um, and it's got a great crew behind it. Everything just worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we're both going to choose movie. Movie. Oh, yeah, for sure, by movie. Far. By, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, something for the people that do listen to this episode, if you have gotten this far, um, tell us what you would like us to read. Yeah, I think we have a couple in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I just bought Dracula. It gave me an old copy. Gave her, gave her my old copy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, there are a couple other ones from the book club. I mean, we could also do like Where the Crawdads Sing just came out. Yep. Um, There's so many that are becoming like yeah. movie adaptations these days. It's crazy. I think there are some that are like, you also bought me Jurassic Park. Yep. I want to do mm-hmm. Jaws as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot. And I, 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 I'm not sure if I want to do, because I think this is going to come up. I don't want to do book adaptations of movies. Where like they no, write a no, book. No, no, no. The just, book I, has to come first. Yes. And then the movie. Because I feel like that. I agree. Is a totally different medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like those in that. Like, there's like once upon a time in Hollywood had one, and yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't even get through the first four chapters because he makes Brad Pitt's character like Kurosawa action films. I'm like, there's no fucking way that this dude <laughs> living in a trailer with his dog, that stunt man, is gonna be like. It's like you just wrote this is you, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Like, I can't. Like, it's just. So I don't want to do that, but it'll be Foot Lover. You keep, you keep just dabbing things in, man. But uh, yeah, so American Psycho, the book, um, you heard what our thoughts, American Psycho, the movie, and uh, yeah, this is spooky season. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. We'll be back soon. I, yeah, I think your I next I one, you will, because you have Muppets. A month, and we're going to cover the Muppets. I was so excited. We just went and saw the Muppets in person. Yes, there was an exhibit uh, actually right near where my sister got married. Yep. And we went and saw the Jim Henson collection. It was amazing. It was absolutely wonderful. If you ever get a chance to go see that, go do it. We saw Beaker. (laughs) We saw Bunsen. We saw Kermit. That was so cool, y'all. We saw some behind-the-scenes footage of them uh, prepping for the episodes. It was so cool. I can't recommend it enough, honestly, if you have time. It It only took maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure that if there were other areas you can go to, they might have a larger exhibit. Yeah. And I we think it's spent, because that, that venue was small. Yeah. And we spent more time in the museum total. But I'm just saying if you just want to go for the Jim Henson exhibit, it would take about 20, 30 minutes. Also, Depending on the level of fan that you are, because we went through probably three times. Yeah. We went through a lot of them and saw and we read everything and we tried to listen to all the yeah. clips. At the end of the day, whatever you do, if you're Patrick Bateman, you got to go return with videotapes. Just know you got to be kind. He won't. But please rewind, which he definitely would. (laughs) Bye. Intro song from YouTube Audio Library by DJ Williams. Recordings done on Clean Feed. Podcast distributed by Anchor. Original logo created by friend of the pod, David. Current logo created by friend of the pod, Liz. Purring by Storm.